Welcome everyone to Dan Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Stocks. I am Nate, and we are here with Jimbo. What's up? What's up, everybody? And uh, we're back on YouTube again, also podcast. So if you're listening on either location, you can see us or just hear us. And today we've got a number of things we want to talk about. But first, we want to talk about Jordan Alvarez because in the comments of last week's video, somebody asked about Jordan Alvarez. And so we are here to discuss him a bit because he is one of the best hitters in baseball, Jimbo. Dude, but the prices don't reflect it. Not, not at all. Like, talk about a hitter that I would not fade. Like, if I was a pitcher, instant walk, because this yeah. dude is just a monster, an absolute monster. And um, yeah, this will be fun because one, I think he's the best hitter in baseball, um, especially with the new shift rules. And I think this will be interesting to see the prices and see how that reflects into all that uh all that good stuff yeah so speaking of speaking of best hitters in baseball you can see here we've got his stats pulled up from 2019 to 2023 on fan graphs and you can check out this most recent season stats he's hitting a casual 274 389 on base 570 slugging a 162 wrc plus and he has a 13 percent walk rate 22 percent strikeout rate the uh Walk rate's actually a smidge lower than last year. The strikeout rate, a smidge higher. The isolated power, a smidge lower. The BABIP, a bit lower. Um, and yet, despite all that, he's still an incredibly, incredibly good player. Um, through 50 games, he's worth essentially two Fangraphs wins above replacement. So he's still on pace for a back-to-back six win above replacement season. Um, which, you know, is insane. And so, Jimbo, you look at those stats. Obviously, they're really good. He has 14 home runs on the on the year. He has 11 doubles. So we're talking about 25 extra base hits uh, in 50 games. Uh, puts him on pace for, what, 81 extra base hits on the season. So Jordan is incredible. Now I want to guide you to Luis Roberts' stats. And there's a reason for this. So, Lou Bob, rookie the same year. Bowman Chrome Autos the same year. 2018 Bowman Chrome Autos, just like Jordan. And rookie season 2020, just like Jordan. Of course, Jordan played and had a cup of tea in 2019, but potato, potato. Um, So, here are Luis Roberts' stats. Obviously, he's been really good this year. 260 batting average, 313 on base, 519 slugging, 123 WRC plus, 1.9 fan graphs wins above replacement. He's been the same value as Jordan. So, shout out. We'll keep getting rid of these banner ads. Shout out fan graphs for the banner ads. Um, so he's been he's been just as valuable. 1.9 fan graphs wins above replacement. Not as good of a hitter, but obviously a much better defender. Mm-hmm. Much better. But then look at these look at these other stats. So his top year is 155 in 2021 in 68 games. Jordan's top year 185 WRC plus. Jordan's second best year, a 162 WRC plus this year. Um and then a 137 WRC plus in what was essentially his first full season in 2021. 
because he got injured in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and he only played 87 games in 2019. So, and in, in those 87 games in 2019, a 177 WRC plus. So his worst WRC plus is 137 on his career, which is would it be the second best Luis Robert WRC plus? Mm-hmm. Now again, I get it. Lou Bob plays defense. We all understand that defense. While it doesn't pay the bills, it does matter. For P- for collectability, mm-hmm. um, but then you look at you look at prices here. So for these two guys, you know, obviously Jordan the significantly, significantly better hitter. Um, he's been the significantly better. In fact, just last year, we're talking about let's see, three point four, two point one. That's uh, five point five, six point seven. Fangraphs wins above replacement before this year in Lou Bob's entire career is the exact same amount that Jordan Alvarez had last year. By that's itself. crazy. Right. That's crazy because Jordan's is is I would say ninety percent from offense, like his offensive stats. Like I don't think his well, like playing, uh, playing DH doesn't give you any added value. Yeah, so that's know? nuts that there's that much value just from his just from his bat basically. I agree. Um, all right. So now let's look at prices here. So first up, we're going to pull up Luis Robert Bowman Chrome Refractor Auto PSA 10. Again, from 2018, pop of 74. Wow, there's only 74 of those. This card, $1,026. So it did drop significantly and then had one fixed price at 1100 but mm-hmm. because he was hot and because it's similar to what prices were before, I will accept it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you can actually view sales and see fixed price, 1,100, 510 on auction, 560 on auction, April 23rd, 676 on auction, April 20th, but then $1,055 on auction, April 13th, um, $1,100 or $1,001 on March 27th on auction. So like he had a really hot month. And it just went back up to what it used to be. Um, and it's a PSA 1010. So wow. maybe even a little bit, obviously, a boost there. And the card ladder value, 1115 today. Um, so you can see his prices, 1115 there. And then you have uh, Jordan. Is it this one? I believe it's this one. So you have Jordan, and you have his. Can you see that? Mm-hmm. This can you see? Do you see the you see the whole thing? Okay, so we are yep. on Jordan's uh, 2018 Bowman Chrome Refractor PSA 10, and that obviously it got significantly higher. There's only been we can stretch it out to a year. Um, there's been a lot of prices higher than the Luis Roberts, right? But mm-hmm. the last sale thousand bucks and if we go to the the view sale obviously fixed price somebody just sold it sold it low may 28th but you have some other ones in there that are in also in the same vicinity as like this 999 bucks uh, that would have been in the same vicinity as Luis robert back in january yeah despite despite him have he put up as much 
wins above he does okay he doesn't play defense but he put as much wins above replacement last year as Luis robert had in his entire career the dude can hit man i i tuned into the astros just to watch this dude at the plate yeah so it, it it's just it's but we've we've gotten to the point we've gotten to the point where it's like what are we doing why is Luis robert's prices anywhere close anywhere close to Jordan Alvarez. And then when I'm thinking about, you know, these guys, right? I think about, or when I think about Jordan Alvarez, I think about David Ortiz. Me too. And I've always thought he was just a young David Ortiz. Um, like from a, from a, I think by the time you look at his career, when it's done, we're going to say, wow, he really was one of the best hitters ever. Mm-hmm. So we've got David Ortiz's numbers up here. Different era for hitting, right? Steroid era and all that good stuff. Um, <clears throat> but look at these WRC pluses. Uh, 24, 103. Pretty sure Jordan, Jordan is in 24. He had a 137. At 25, a 100. Jordan, 185. At 26, mm-hmm. 118. Jordan, 162. And then you go down 145, not better than Jordan's. 147, not better than Jordan's best. 157, 157, 175. There's not a single season of David Ortiz, who is one of the best DHs ever, if not the best. Um, Edgar Martinez, I guess, would also be in there. Mm-hmm. To ever play the position of Jeez. just being a hitter. If you scroll down, that's nuts. At his age 40 season. He had 163 WRC plus. And the thing with Jordan that I don't normally say about other players is I think his hitting is built for the long run because he has an easy swing. He's built big and it's just a smooth, very easy swing where I could see him being that elite hitter for a long, long time where it's not like, I don't know, like some of these other hitters where it's sometimes it's kind of choppy or, you know, they're aggressive. That's that makes them get a lot of those doubles. Uh, Jordan, he's not he's not a burner like he's not going to be getting he's not going to be stealing it, like taking an extra base off of a like an extra base hit or stuff like that. And I think about Jordan like, man, what if he was at like the Yankees, like Yankee Stadium or playing in Fenway for their home games? So though, though that short porch in. Houston does help. That that is true. Yeah. But man, but yeah, overall, <laughs> um, the question I have for you is if you so if you were the you know, let's say you're the GM of the Brewers and you had a chance to sign Lou Bob or Jordan to the same exact contract for a five-year contract, same amount of money, everything, uh, which one would you choose? So you're having me choose between a guy who right now is a 120 WRC plus with good defense or a guy who is a one, you know, 60 to 180 WRC plus. I can tell you which one is much more difficult to replicate um, from a pure talent standpoint. And that's getting up to a 160, 180 WRC plus. I can find guys. They might not be as good at hitting, but I can find guys that play good as good a defense as Luis Robert. 
or I can find guys that put up 120 WRC pluses that might not play as good a defense. I can't find guys that hit as well as Jordan. I I couldn't agree more. I'd rather have the the very best hitter as possible because in center you can find like a Garrett Mitchell or you know someone to play a really really solid center while still putting up like a 105 WRC plus. Yeah, or even just like get someone that works the count that that's going to get on base in front of Jordan and just let Jordan clean up whoever's on base before him. Um and I agree. I because I was kind of debating back and forth as well, but with, but I think Jordan, like Jordan was had an, uh, a neck issue a couple of weeks ago and I have him on my dynasty team. That's why I know a lot about Jordan and he kind of, he struggled in a way of Jordan struggled, which is mm-hmm. like better than any, than most players, but he had a neck issue and he still has these incredible numbers and he can still play through it where, if you're a center fielder or someone, you know, like a shortstop or something, if you have a nagging injury like that, it affects you way more because you're playing a way more intense position that is, you know, not easy to recover from like your body. It's not as easy to recover from yep. playing every day. So um, I, uh, real quick, I pulled up Edgar Martinez. Ooh. Um, just to look at his stats. Now, obviously, you know, you look at these and you see this dude putting up a 479 on base percentage and 628 slugging, 356 average. Like, yeah, Jordan's not matching that, okay? <laughs> um, he's putting up an 18% walk rate, a 13% K rate, a 19% walk rate, a 13% K rate. But again, we're talking about the smack dab middle of the steroid era. Mm-hmm. Not that he was necessarily doing steroids, you know, but we're talking about and and we're also talking about today's day in age in which early 2000s, you know, starting pitchers throwing 92, 91, 89, 88 was normal. A starting pitcher throwing like 95 was like, holy smokes, this dude throws gas. Mm-hmm. Now, almost every single starting pitcher throws 95, 96, 97 can pump it up there at 99 when they need it. Right. Um. Every pitcher has a, just an absolutely nasty slider, nasty curveball, nasty changeup, pitch tunneling, yada, yada, yada. These pitchers have gotten so good that a lot of guys that played baseball in the 90s, like obviously if they had today's training and stuff, they would be better than what they were back then. So like you can't really compare ours. But like if you inserted these guys into the 90s, they Spencer Strider would probably win 20 straight Cy Youngs. Yeah. You know? Um, now again, that would be inserting a guy who has today's benefits without anybody else having today's benefits. So it's not, it's not a great comparison, but you get my point. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they're not comparable numbers from a, from an overall numbers standpoint. That being said, WRC plus, which takes in era and, uh, and, uh, park and everything to give you, uh, give you, uh, you know, he was, Edgar Martinez, 1995, 82% better than league average hitter. That is still three points less than Jordan's best year. Now, are the overall numbers comparable? No. But Jordan, compared to the rest of the league, 85% better than league average. Yes. Uh, Martinez, in his best year, 82% better than league average. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I have fell in love with WRC+. 
like within the last two years, like absolutely love that because it puts everything in perspective of, you know, we see the average and all that. Like it's so hard because there's so many variables in baseball and WRC plus just cleans it up and creates like an even scale. Yep. And to me, that's, that's what I've been going. That's the, that is the stat I've been looking at the most um, when looking at players these days. All right. And real quick for people at home, just so we're clear on this. If you have a hitter in Great American Ballpark that puts up a 400 on base and a six a 300 average, a 400 on base, 600 slugging, and hits 30 home runs on the year, whatever it might be, puts up those numbers, 1,000 OPS, 300 average in Great American Ballpark, and then you take that ex- those exact numbers and put it at, on somebody who plays their home games at uh, – the A's ballpark, whatever that's called nowadays, O.Co. Coliseum, if it's still that thing. Um, if you put them in there, the WRC pluses are not the same. And that's the that's the point of this is that while it's still impressive that that Reds player at Great American Ballpark had 1,000 OPS, mm-hmm. somebody putting up 1,000 OPS playing 81 games a year in Oakland is significantly more impressive and much more valuable because it's a much harder place to hit. Mm-hmm. and yeah. so and it and it takes into context the era as well so like yes Edgar Martinez's numbers are better than Jordan's but it was an easier era to hit so like he put up I mean we're talking let's where is that where is that year at 1995 so we are talking um a thousand you know a thousand and uh seven 1,107 OPS, right? Mm-hmm. But because of how good everyone else was and how easy it was to hit back then, it wasn't as good as what Jordan was putting up when it's not as easy to hit. Yeah, that's crazy. And I, that's why I love that stat for the minors as well because there's so many, you know, like all the different leagues, the parks, and it puts it in perspective. And that is crazy to think about, you know, getting a – that stat line of Edgar and it was only, what did you say? 182 WRC plus. Yep. Despite 1,107 OPS. Now to be fair, Jordan's OPS last year was a thousand and nineteen. So like it wasn't, it was a hundred, it was, it wasn't quite a hundred points lower. It was still over a thousand, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the same. Yeah. Um, now here's let's get to this conversation real quick on Jordan. So we've looked at the stats compared to the best DHs of all time. He's already put up better seasons than the, a better season than the two best DHs of all time. We looked at his stats compared to Lubob, who has a 2018 Bowman Chrome just like him, has a 2020 rookie just like him, been in the league the same amount of years. Well. Okay, 2019. Not the same amount of years, but probably the same amount of games after, uh, well, no, because Lou Bob got hurt. All right, whatever. <laughs> um, so we've looked at him in, in correlation to Lou Bob or in comparison to Lou Bob. Prices similar right now. Prices obviously have been more for Jordan. Um, but if you go back like two years, prices would have been drastic for uh, Louis uh, Robert as well. Mm-hmm. Um. So I guess my question, the question the guy had on the YouTube channel was, why does Jordan get no love? Like, what does he have to do 
yeah, obviously, yeah, he's DH. Um, if we, if he, he has to play the NL, but the NL has DH rules now. So like, he's just constantly playing DH. If I can find, has he played the outfield at all this year? 21 games in the outfield. So you have that going for you. 21 mm-hmm. of the 50, 29. So we, they are going to have him play maybe not half the season in the field, but maybe he gets to, uh, you know, three-eighths in the outfield, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, um, three-sevenths of the year in the outfield. Uh, so it's not like he's just straight up DH. He's still getting some value by playing a right field or a left field. Why does he not get any love? Is it the Astros? Do people just hate the Astros? Because he wasn't on the teams that cheated. Yeah. He I, was not part of those teams. I, I just think having the Astros logo really does hurt him um, for that aspect. And, and not just because of like for cards as in, oh, they shy away from them being in an Astros uniform. It's more of like the whole story where it's like, Want like we look at some of the young guys, the Juan Soto, the Tatis, like they're getting a lot of the air time. They're getting on front of the, you know, on front of the products for tops, like, you know, MLB's marketing them as well. You don't like Jordan's talked about a good amount, but for how good he is, he's not really put in that category where they're promoting him like they might for, for other things like, like some of these younger one, younger, uh, younger players. And I think that that is a huge factor. Yeah. And you know, Jordan's a little bit older. Um, I mean, Juan Soto right now is 23, right? 24. Okay. So Juan Soto is 24 October of 1998. Whereas Jordan is June of 97. Um, Ronald Acuna is 25 he's december 18th of 1997 so he's like six years or six months younger than uh jordan i mean we're not talking like we're not talking about a guy who's just like a couple years older and therefore just missed the boat talking about a dude who's at most a year and a half older than some of these other superstars Mm -hmm. yeah he's still he's still very young for for everything he's done and and yeah, his prices are crazy too. And the thing that another thing that's nuts is that his Bowman first, he only has autos in Bowman first. Like he doesn't have base Bowman first, which is hmm. a huge factor. I don't really ever think I noticed that. I, I think this is the first time I've thought about that. I've I've always seen, I've always seen. Uh, it's like Juan Soto doesn't have uh, base Bowman first. Mm-hmm. I I was a very heavy Jordan collector uh, before he debuted, and he actually debuted on my birthday in 2019. So that's why, like, I I was all about Jordan early on. So I knew all like the little caveats of that of like him only having the autos and Bowman first, and they were pretty hard to get early on because there just weren't a lot of them. You know, yeah. it was before they you know what was that 2018 I think it was where before they put printed. 10,000 base autos. Yeah. That's hyperbole, but I don't know the actual number, but it's absurd. Yeah. So, um, and just wrap up this, you on conversation. You know, it's just, it's just one of those things where you look at all the stats and it's, they're amazing. And you look at the stats compared to some of the all time greats and they're amazing. 
And you look at the age, and he's still young. Turns 26 this month. That's not old. Uh, and you think, like, he hasn't entered his prime. He's still going he's, he's going to be entering his prime here soon. What is he going to do then, you know, when he hits 27, 28, 29, 30? And he seems like the type of hitter that's going to age gracefully into his 30s, where he'll be 33, 34, 35, 36, still putting up monster seasons. And it just feels like I get I get the DH issue, even though he doesn't DH all the time. I get the Astros issue. But I had hoped that we'd be back at this point in 2023 to play. Play is uh, more important than other things. And obviously it's a popularity contest, but like, I don't, I don't understand for the life of me. I don't understand why he's not more popular than he is and why he's not more expensive. Like this is the type of guy you dream on when you have a prospect, you're dreaming that he hits 160 to 180 WRC pluses. You're dreaming that he has over a thousand OPSs. Because it barely ever happens. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, I mean, he won a World Series. So he has, what, two World Series on? Well, well, he didn't win the first one, right? The Astros have won two in the last. Wasn't the first one 2018? Mm-hmm. Am I crazy? I think it was. Maybe I'm pretty was. sure. Because that was the Astros cheating scandal. That's right. He wasn't a part of that at he all, wasn't right? part of that. That's right. He came the following year. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you're right. But he 2017. 2017. The fact that he got one last year on his resume and coming back and being consistent again, that's another part that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And he he has appeared. He has appeared in three World Series, 2019, Mm -hmm. 2021, and 2022. The one year they didn't make the World Series was the one year they he's been injured, 2020. Yeah. If that doesn't say to you, hmm, I think Jordan might be important, I don't know what does. Yeah. So at the end of the day, are we going out and buying a uh, Deaning Corners Jordan? Might have to. Maybe have not to. the Bowman Chrome Refractor Auto because that's, you know, a thousand bucks, but maybe we find a nice short print. Yeah, there we go. Oh, from, from Tops. I do like a nice short print. Maybe we find one, at the, find one at the National. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Don't tell me what a good time. Yeah, you're right. All right, so we're we're moving on from Jordan. Obviously, we have laid out the argument, and I have stated that, you know, it makes no sense. Um, let's move on to another 2020, 2020 uh, rookie. rookie. Thank you. Um, and that is... Randy Rosarina. So I will admit the amount of content I make day to day for email and daily videos and stuff. I sometimes forget what we've covered on here and what I have covered elsewhere. So I definitely thought we had covered Randy Rosarina at this point, but it turns out I've likely just covered him in the daily slab and in, on our daily slab email newsletter and never actually with Jimbo on Dinging Corners. So we're going to correct that today because he has been amazing this year, um, and it loops into a broader conversation I want to have with you, Jimbo, 
So obviously you can see his stats here, 920 OPS on the season, bringing up baseball reference this time instead of fan graphs, spread the love around a bit. Uh, 920 OPS this year, he had a 773 the year before, and then an 815 the year before when he won Rookie of the Year. So he's clearly on pace for his best season ever, Mm -hmm. Um, and he's doing it in all facets. He's getting on base. You know, 110 points higher on base percentage than batting average is nice. He is also hitting for a high batting average. He is slugging. He has 19 extra base hits, including 11 home runs. Um, Even stealing a couple bases, though he also has four caught stealing. Hmm. So he's like he's doing a little bit of everything while also uh, being a solid defender in the outfield. Um, I've never really understood the D-War thing here. But uh, he's at point two, which is significantly better than what he's been the last couple of years when he's been in the negatives. So mm-hmm. we'll take that. And he's been worth 2.4 wins above replacement in 55 games compared to 2.8 the year before in 153 and 3.9 the year before in 141. So he's on pace. 55 games is a little bit over a third of the season um, by three games. Uh, so... But he's on pace for, you know, a seven win above replacement season, basically. Mm-hmm. From from baseball reference, uh, Fangraphs might be a little different. Yeah, I have Fangraphs pulled up. It's the same. Okay, two point four. Um, oh, sorry, no, two point two. Okay. My bad. My bad. The uh, it's just interesting because, like, I, I see his name a lot, and I, I watch the Rays quite a bit. To be honest with you, they're one of my favorite teams to watch outside the Tigers because uh, they do. They're just a fun team to watch. And I got to thinking earlier this week, I was like, man, I have really never bought any Randy or Rosarina besides like the small, small cards here and there just to do a quick flip and nothing like significant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? Why is the case? Why? Like, why is my mindset for that? And it's, you know, probably because he's on the Rays. Um, but I was looking at his numbers. I'm like, he's got great numbers. Like for fantasy baseball, this guy's a monster. And I'm like, well, then why isn't his cards translate? So that's why I, I wanted to bring him up today. And it's it's interesting um, because, you know, he's on the Rays. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be, you know, exciting to watch the entire season. Um, he's kind of the cattle, like one of the catalysts for the offense. Him and Wander um, and uh, who is it? Brandon, Josh Lowe, those three are monsters. Josh Lowe. What's crazy to me is, like, you look up here. Let's just go to teams here, and we will look up the Rays, wherever they might be. There they are. Yeah, man, they got some good players. They got Luke Rowley. That's good. Harold Ramirez has been solid. Isaac All right. Look at this. Christian Betancourt, 114 OPS plus. Yandy Diaz, 178 OPS plus. Brandon Lau, 99, even though he's been one of their best players for a long time. Wander, 138 OPS plus. Isaac Paredes, 127. Randy Rosarino, 160. Jose Siri, 144. Josh Lowe, 161. He's been even better than Randy Rosarino. Harold Ramirez, 132. Taylor Walls, reserve, 133. Luke Raleigh. Look at Luke Raleigh with the 10 home runs, 148. Dude. 
watching them is incredible. Like they're like literally like little gnats. Like, I don't know how, like they'll get someone on base, like they'll work the count, somehow get on base. And then that per, whoever the person is on base, it doesn't matter who it is. If it's Harold Ramirez, uh, Luke Rally, like, or one of the faster people, they, they just like disrupt the pitcher and the catcher and they get everyone all, I don't know. And they just pile them on by walks and hits and they'll get a ran, randomly, uh, they'll get a homer and, and they play matchups really well. That's why you have, like Luke Rally and, and Harold Ramirez usually flip flop, um, and timely hitting. They're just an interesting team, and really, no, like none of these players' cards do very well, like of how they're playing. Besides maybe maybe a Wander. Yep. Dude, look at look at how good these guys are it's, on base percentage wise. Most of the time, like most of them are outside of Christian Betancourt and Jose Siri. Most of them are significant amounts higher than uh on base percentages than averages which means you know they're patient they take their walks so i like it but it also leads to the question and i've seen a lot of this this year you know what are they doing are they cheating yada 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 and who knows how who are they knows? cheating I, I well okay so the the questionable thing is like you always hope for some improvement from some guys but then all of a sudden you're getting drastic improvement from everyone. Dude. And it's like Yandy Diaz never done this in his life. Josh Lowe never done this in his life. Uh, Isaac Paredes, you know, like look at look at Yandy Diaz. Let's click on Yandy Diaz here. 990 OPS. Dude, I'm telling you, it's you gotta watch their games. It's they do something different. It's like one of these players on a different team won't put up these numbers. Yeah, look at these. Look at these. 797, 816, 814, 740, 824. Like he just kind of settled into this this player that's going to be hovering around 800, right? And then all of a sudden he goes 990. His most home runs in a year, 14. He is at 12 already. So like I understand. Essentially all I'm saying is I understand the um I understand the concern. Because a lot of times you're like, all right, if we can just have some guys break this way or that way, we'll be good. And then you do. You get Garrett Mitchell to break one way, and then you know Bryce Terang breaks one way early, and now he's under 600 OPS, right? And you're like, okay, so we got Garrett Mitchell to hit well, and Bryce Terang to not, but Bryce Terang plays good defense well, and Garrett Mitchell's injured now. But you get my point, where it's like, if only these things can work, we'll have a good team. The Rays go into the air. If only we can have a couple of these guys hit around, you know, Wander Franco and Randy Rosarina. Not if we can have every single one of these guys suddenly have a career year. But here, this is okay. This is a great conversation because this goes into a lot of the the things that I always talk about: the intangibles of working the count. So working the pitch, like starting pitcher, seeing a lot of pitches, tiring the pitcher out, and they get on base. When they get on base, they are pests. I'm telling you, I watched uh, an, a game earlier this week, them face the Blue Jays, um, Alec Manoa. You know, he's obviously struggling, but there was a uh, like a strikeout, and Herod Ramirez runs the first. Al, uh, Alejandro Kirk didn't rush at it. 
like lollygag threw it over to first and he was safe because Herod Ramirez is coming out of the gate hauling on a strikeout gets on base, like pretends to steal, gets the Alex Manoa all like mis mis or whatever you call it. Then singles just pile on walks. And then it's like, every time you, you make a mistake with the raise, they make you pay for it. And that's the difference because they're aggressive on the base plat pass. They do very timely hitting and um, they do matchups very well. And all of that combined, they, they that's how they elevate all the players in the lineup because of they're like the Bill Belichick of baseball. I'm telling now, you. I will, I will say it's a lot of guys. They put together a lot of guys who have had talent, right? Top former top hundred prospects, this and that, that are all you know figuring it out. And you never know what age somebody might figure it out at. Could be twenty seven, could be twenty three, could be thirty two. You know who knows. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I don't actually think the Rays are cheating, but you know, talk about talk about lineup protection for a second, right? Like you expect lineup protection from guys who have been good in individual lineups that get together like the Padres or like the Dodgers. This is a lot of guys who outside of Wander, Randy Rosarina, have not really had very good careers. Luke Raleigh, you know? Um, and now all of a sudden they're just they're just blowing up. So it's like it's like I don't even think the lineup protection thing can can work here because it's like they're not guys that people fear to be able to use lineup protection. But they they have protection in their lineup by playing matchups. Yeah, I know. Left left handed, right handed, and maybe if you're I love Craig Council, but like there are there are guys on the Brewers that have reverse splits, Keston Hiram, namely one of them. And and Craig would always run him out there against lefties. Like Keston Hira hits righties better. Just does. Kills righties, stinks against lefties, makes no sense because he's right-handed. And it feels like that's the type of stuff that the Rays will always know and always use to their advantage. Mm -hmm. But I still, it's still like, while I don't think they're cheating, I think it's just an impressive collection of guys that are figuring it out at the same time and, and, um, and using the new rules, especially to their advantage. Uh, because, you 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 get on base. A lot of guys are walking more, right? Because they know they can steal second. They know they might be able to steal third. You don't have to drive in. You know you don't have to try to get to second instantaneously to score in an inning. You can just get to first and and do damage on the base pass because much easier now. And so, uh, like they are using that to their advantage. Mm -hmm. And guys right. are being way more patient. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So just hear me out on this. So like Yandy, Yandy Diaz, right? Having a career year base left, left-handed hitters. He's hitting 235. Yep. Base righties. He's hitting 329. Okay. But look up, look up last year's. I bet it's, I bet it, I bet they have done the same exact, I bet they're doing the same exact platooning last year as this year though. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you, you, you play the numbers on this, but so then you go even deeper. So you have like a Luke rally rally, whatever, however say his name, 
base righties, he's hitting 236. You put Diaz in base righties, but uh, Rally, Rally, I, yeah, I don't know how to say his name, but base lefties, Rally, he hits 308. And then you go to Harold Ramirez, he's hitting 351 base lefties, base righties, he's trash. They and yeah, but it's if you have more of these players, then you don't have to stretch them by like Harold. You're never gonna, we're, we're rarely gonna throw you out there base left or base righties. Same with yep. Lou, and you flip flop it where the more they can play in their strengths, and that's where injuries come into play. Where if you do have an injury, where okay, let's say Yandy Diaz goes down and you have to play Harold or Luke, uh, base righties, you know, you're you're, it's going to be a huge decrease, but right now they are healthy and they're just piecing them together that way where I don't know, like they just, they play baseball the right way. And that's why they don't have to spend all this money. And honestly, I wish baseball would kind of get, get back to like that strategic fun, small ball type. And type it has, it definitely has this year. There's a lot less. I mean, I just watch it with the brewers, Right. There's a lot less concern about having to hit a ball over the fence all the time. And there's a lot more willing to take your walks. It's like, there's a lot of times guys weren't really willing to take their walks. Mm-hmm. Right. The guys weren't willing to just hit a single opposite field and get on base this year. It's been completely different. Here's Yandy Diaz from 2022, which is interesting because I was just expecting to see the same thing versus right-handed pitchers 347 at bats 291 402 398 800 OPS against left-handed pitchers 145 plate appearances or 126 at bats 310 batting average 400 on base 492 slugging like those are both good numbers last year mm-hmm. and then you go to this year and all of a sudden he is Oh, wait. He's still really good against lefties. He's just not hitting as good of an average. Yeah. Like, now he's had significantly less at-bats or plate appearances, 40 to 165, but he is still hitting for power against them. 943 OPS. That was unexpected. So I guess I don't have a... I don't have a... I've got nothing for that. I wasn't (laughs) expecting to see that. So, uh, But yeah, the Rays Rays play matchups... They always do. Um, I I I wonder if it's just the new rules and having patient, relaxed hitters at the plate that are willing, maybe more willing than other teams to take their walks, hit their singles, and then hit bombs when they get thrown them because pitchers get flustered on the mound because there's guys on base. You only have so many pickoffs. You're paying attention to them. You miss your spot. Kaboom. Yeah. Um, as for Randy or Rosarina, because that's how this conversation started, uh, believe it or not, like 15 minutes ago, uh, we have Randy or Rosarina prices. And just real quick, because I don't need to look up individual cards, but you have 12 results for Randy or Rosarina on card ladder, and you can see the percentage change in three months. Base tops chrome auto, 124%. Purple PSA 10 auto, 109% up in three months. Purple raw auto, up 100% in three months. Refractor PSA 9 up 100% in three months. Uh, Purple PSA 9 auto up 84% in three months. Refractor PSA 10, non-auto refractor PSA 10 up 72% in three months. Base PSA 10 up 47% in three months. Tops base, not tops chrome, but tops base PSA 10 up 46%. 
in three months. Of course, it's $8 card, so it doesn't really count. Refractor mm-hmm. Raw up 16%. There's only one card that's been down in the last three months, and that is his Refractor BGS 9.5. So uh, Randy Rosarina has been on the move uh, with his excellent season. Maybe not as much as people would expect, um, but he's definitely been on the move. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I feel like I thought of something while I was going through here, and I can't remember it, so I guess we will uh, move on. We've got a couple prospects to bring up at the very end. We won't take long on this because we're already um, we're already 45 minutes in and we don't need to make these last an hour every week, uh, even though we could if we wanted to. Hours. Um, so we've got we've got James Wood got called up. I'm not even going to share anything on the screen here real quick. James Wood got called up to double A recently and Marcelo Meyer got called up to double A recently. They played a combined six games in double a but they both killed it in uh a plus ball 154 wrc plus for james wood in a plus ball marcelo meyer 138 wrc plus in a plus ball there um and this is a this is a scenario where it's nice to know real quick jimbo the wrc plus because marcelo meyer 366 on base 524 slugging you combine those together and you are talking about a dude who had a, exactly 900 OPS in high A. Um, and then you have, oh, I guess James Wood was significantly higher. Never mind. I When I briefly looked at him, I thought they were going to be around the same. James Wood is in the high 900s mm-hmm. for OPS. So never mind. Take that away. <laughs> but yeah. still, very both very, very impressive and well-deserved LA call-ups. Yeah. And just real quick on that, the with those two players, one reason why I wanted to bring these two up is because double A is like the first is like the next real test, I would say. Uh, so some of these players that have done really well in the in the low A and all that good stuff, the double A is where kind of gives it the true validation, I feel like, if they do well in double A. So just keep an eye on that for players that get to double A. Uh, watch to see how they do the first month, two months and see if they start to get better or worse or whatever. It gives you a clearer picture of, of how good they really are. Yes, sir. I agree. And sometimes you get a guy who's doing really well in double A Jefferson Quero. And sometimes you get a guy who's kind of, I wish he'd do better. Jackson Churio. It happens. Yep. Hey, real quick um, before we end off today. Oh, uh, one last, one last thing. Okay. One last thing real quick. Dylan Dingler. Uh, somebody requested Jimbo talk about Dylan Dingler, so we're going to give him the uh, appropriate time to be able to talk about 24-year-old catcher in AA, Dylan Dingler. Yep. So I, just to uh, to kind of carry on the theme of if people ask us certain players that they want us to talk about, we will talk about them. Uh, Dingle, or, uh, Dingler, I won't do his, his nickname that I give him. We'll do a quick one on Dingler because – it's just not very that it's not very exciting, even though I wanted it to be very exciting because he is a t- young Tigers player that I do like, but has not really done anything the last couple of years. 24 year old catcher in double A. He got time in double A as a 22 year old. So not the progression that I thought we would see in his 24th year old season, um, but hitting 244. Um, you know, he does have 127 WRC plus. But as a college catcher getting to that 24-year-old season in double-A, below average hitting, um, 
you know, five home runs. That's, you know, that's pretty solid for, for a catcher to see, uh, still to me, nothing excites me to want to go and get his cards outside of him being a Detroit Tiger prospect. There you go. And sometimes that's all it takes, you know, ah, he's a Detroit Tiger. If it's cheap. Why not have it for the collection? If it pans out, I'll do this with brewers, you know, buy some cheap cards. If it pans out, I'll sell them. If it doesn't, I got them for life. On the same way, brother. So all good there. All right. One last thing. One last thing. And then we will go um, real quick. For those of you, I will lead this off next time. I meant to lead it off last time, but I couldn't. Um, For those of you that listen to this every single week, thank you, number one. Number two, Slab Stocks has our Camp Kesem charity drive happening that that uh, ends at the National. And um, every year, you know, people donate cards and we get them sold through uh, various means or donate money or donate boxes, whatever it might be. We get these things sold and we try to raise money for Camp Kesem. You might ask yourself, what is Camp Kesem? Camp Kesem is a camp that sends kids to camp for uh, a time period. Um, I should really learn how long it is. I think it's two weeks. I think it's two weeks. Uh, it sends kids to camp for two weeks that whose parents have cancer or have had cancer, where they have like that little bit of childhood still, where they don't have to worry about mom and dad, right? Because I I did not experience that growing up, Jimbo. You did not yeah. experience that growing up. I can't imagine what that is like for a little child or an older child or a teenager, whatever it might be, to be like, wow, my mom has cancer. My dad has cancer. Um, you don't know if they're going to be there next year for your next birthday type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that probably weighs on you all the time. And so Camp Kesem gives these kids a chance to get out, go to camp, be a kid for a while, and also be around other kids in the same boat so that you're all kind of understanding together as opposed to being the only kid that has to deal with this at a camp full of other kids. Um, and so it's a, it's a good cause. Aaron worked for them in college or at least was going to, and the 2020 happened. Um, but he did fundraising and stuff. And so we do fundraising for them. Now we've raised $250,000 in the first two years. And while we know it is a um, bit of a going to be down year because of the, the economy we're hoping to pass 300,000 in three years this year. So we're setting our sights lower, but if we can pass $300,000 this year. And so anything helps $10 card, $10 donation, $100 donation, $500 donation. We've had people donate multiple, multiple thousand dollar cards last year. Somebody donated the rookie or NFL debut Black Mosaic Jalen Hurts rookie. Right? That's awesome. So, like, we've had people donate huge cards, but we've also had people donate $10 cards, $5 in cash. Whatever it might be, it all helps. If everyone who listens to these donates $5 in cash, right, you don't have to. I know a lot of people have other charities they give to throughout the year, or you give to your church, or whatever it might be. Um, or you're just, you know, it's the economy. You got a family. I get it. You don't have to feel pressured into this at all. But if everyone that listened to this gave five bucks, we would put at least 10 kids to camp, mm-hmm. if not more. 15, yeah. maybe 20. Yeah. If 
hey, if you have a stack of cards later on that you're like, hey, not sure what I should do with them. I want to sell them, but maybe I don't know how and or whatever it is. And maybe donating them to this is an avenue for you. Um, also, if you're a good value box finder, maybe let's say you take $10 and you find, you know, some really good cards out of a value box that you know that are worth more than what you bought them for with that $10, you could buy them and then send them in and you guys will do the rest. Yeah. And so if you want to send them in, you can address it to SXKESEM. That's S-X-K-E-S-E-M or S-X space K-E-S-E-M. P.O. Box 320384, Franklin, Wisconsin, 53132. So again, that's SXKESEM. P.O. Box 320384, Franklin, Wisconsin, 53132. And I'm telling you, there is no amount that is too small. Like I know, especially for me in the past, it's like, well, I feel dumb. I don't have a lot of money. I feel dumb donating 10 bucks, right? What does that do? It does a lot. It does a lot because if everyone who says to themselves, well, I can donate 10 actually does it, that adds up real quick. But if nobody does it because they don't feel like it's enough, it doesn't add up. So if you have the ability, if you have the means, and if you want to, because that's a big one, um, as little as five bucks, as little as 10 bucks goes a long way for these kids, giving them a chance to be a kid for a couple of weeks during the summer. Absolutely. It's a great cause. All right. With that, Jimbo, any other things this week? Yes. One other thing. Um, we will be opening our Cali shop. California shop for the roadshow roadshowcards.com. We'll be opening our uh, Cali shop in Sonoma, California, June 7th. If you go to our, thank you. Yep. It's been like a year and a half. Are you going out? I will not be going out. Um, I have some other travel that I'll be doing. um, So I'm staying here, but if you follow us on any of our social uh, roadshow cards, uh, we'll, They'll have the details of address. We're also doing a trade night on June 9th, which is my birthday um, yep. at the shop as well. So if you're in the area, come stop by the whole, like Jimmy will be there. The Cali guys will be there. A lot of the road show will be there and it'll be fun. And uh, people will be hanging out there. Sweet. So yeah, go support your, uh, if you are around a road show shop, go support those guys. If you're not around them, you can also buy online from them. Mm-hmm. So they got they got the roadshowcards.com, right? Oh yeah. Roadshowcards.com. So support our guy Jimbo. Um, and uh if you if you're looking for cards. Otherwise, thank you everyone for listening to today's Dinging Corners. Uh mm-hmm. hope you guys enjoyed it. And Jimbo and I will talk to you next week. See you, everyone. See you. <laughs>